Whoa. <laughs> good to see y'all. Oh, man, I've been having a really good time with everybody. I can't tell you how much I look forward to seeing you every Sunday. This has been good. We got one more Sunday. I'm, I'm going to enjoy every minute of it. Praise God. Yes, absolutely. We just want to welcome everybody today. Let's all just get into an atmosphere of worship. I was thinking about the um, scripture that we have been um, using as our call to worship. It's Psalm 34. And I was specifically thinking about the part that says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. And what does it mean to magnify the Lord? It's making him bigger in our sight. God is always huge, and, and, but we just don't see him as bigger than our problems sometimes. We sometimes don't see him as bigger than yes. all the chaos that might be going through your life or the wind and the waves. But let's all do that today. Let's magnify the Lord. Yes, let's exalt yes. him. Let's make him big in our sight. Let's, let's make him, um, of course, we're not making him actually larger but we're seeing him as who he really is then. Yeah. So I, I, I also think about like movies sometimes, like, you know, have you ever seen any like, I don't know, previews or whatever for like horror movies and they make the devil seem huge? Yeah. And, and, and like all the, you know, all the powers of darkness are like this huge, you know, foreboding, you know, and that's the opposite though, you know? Yeah, God's yeah. bigger. You know, God is greater. You yes, know, good yes. is always better than darkness. It's always bigger than darkness. That's light right. always shines and pushes darkness out. You never turn on a light switch and see a power struggle. Light always drives out darkness. Yeah. So let's magnify God today. Let's go ahead and um, stand and we'll go ahead and worship God together and we'll uh, recite this scripture, Psalm 34. Amen. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Yes. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Thank you, Jesus. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Father. Amen, amen, amen. We do magnify you, God. Praise God. We do magnify you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I want to read a passage uh, from John 15. I always think when I read a passage that it's my favorite. And then I read another one, it's my favorite. But John 15 might really be my favorite. <clears throat> says, uh, verse 1, I'm going to read a number of verses here. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, 
for without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. What I love about um, the time of communion that we're going to partake in in just a moment is that when we partake in it, we are abiding in his love. We're to keep his commandments, and he commanded us to partake and commune in this way with each other and with him. And some things that I've learned and continue to learn is that this verse, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me remains in me, stays in me, and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. And in life, we're going to go through challenging times, fearful times, worryful times, times where we feel we can't keep going, times where you're stuck in sin, times where you're just disappointed with life and reality and how things are going, and you, you question whether God is good or, or, or that if he cares or if he's nearby. And sometimes it's hard to like look backwards and see all the good things that God has done in your life to bring that faith back up. But if you can look at the cross of Jesus Christ and abide right there looking at his blood, he called us friends at that moment when he died for us and he chose us. The cross is the key to everything in our lives his death, and his resurrection. And if we can focus on the cross and on the blood of Jesus, you will be able to center yourself wherever you're at. So this time together as we partake in communion is so incredibly important and special for us as the flock before our shepherd. It's how he has cared for us and covered us forever. All right. So we're going to partake now uh, there's table in the back and two up front. Just make your way to uh, the table closest to you, and you can go back to your seats, and then we'll partake together.
so thankful for this covenant we have in his blood. Amen. Covenant in his blood, this unbreakable bond. Before we take and eat and drink, let's just close our eyes. Just for a moment, picture the cross. See that cross, the cross of Christ on that hill. Just see him there. Hanging there, dying for us, for our sins. Just take a moment and thank him in your own words. And humble ourselves and repent of sin and whatever you need to do, just take that moment, okay? Jesus, we thank you so much that you're here with us right now. We thank you that we can partake together with you. We thank you that you long to partake with us in the kingdom one day when you return. We just thank you, Jesus. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Go ahead and eat. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Go ahead and drink. We honor you, Jesus, and we thank you that we can abide in your love at all times, and we can fix our mind on your cross and your death for us at all times, and that you hold us steady in every situation. We're going to continue to worship with another song. Feel free to come up front at any moment. Hello, everyone. I'll be doing announcements this morning. We don't really have much, so it's going to be short. Um, Just a reminder, we don't have... Um, Wednesday night worship and prayer next week, but we will have it once in the first Wednesday in the month of July, and then we'll have it once on the first Wednesday of each month after that. So the first one will be July 7th. And then the only other thing is if you're new or if you have a prayer request or a praise or anything, um, use the connection card in front of you and... Um, Yeah, or you could email prayer at ECF Church or info at ECF Church with any questions and whatever else you have. So, yeah, that's it. And now, Jeremy. All right. First time visitors, thank you for 
joining us here at ECF. Praise God. I am not the normal pastor. I am a guest pa- I'm filling in. I'm an evangelist. I'm filling in for the pastor. And I'm honored to be here. I've been having a good time with everybody. Amen? How many are you excited about faith? Well, uh, I wanted to read you a, a scripture for the offering real quick here. And uh, Ephesians 3 and verse 14 and 15 says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. Everybody say Father. From whom, the, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. You ever look at a family and just think to yourself, man, it must be nice. What, what would it have been like to be a part? What would it be like to be a part of that family? My hand's up. Everybody, anybody ever feel that? Somebody on the news or whatever, you know? I know I'm from Cleveland. I know we got some folks from Pittsburgh here in Cleveland. Way back we had the Rockefellers in Pittsburgh. They had the Carnegie's. Must have been something else. To, it, it must have been amazing to be a Carnegie or to be a Rockefeller, you know. I mean, back in the day before they broke up the monopolies, that was a lot of power. That was a lot of influence. How many of you know that there is a family that no other family's ever compared to? Somebody say amen. And we are a part of that family and we have a father, praise God. Amen. There is no favor like the favor that comes from God's family. There is no provision or backing that comes from the backing you get if you're part of God's family. I don't. I believe we, as the body of Christ, we've barely scratched the surface of what it means to be part of the family of God. How many would agree with me this morning? We used to sing songs, you know, back in the saints used to sing songs and back in days gone by about being part of the family of God. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Born of his spirit, washed by his blood, joint heirs with Jesus as we travel along. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Is there anybody here that's glad they're a part of the family of God this morning? Amen. Praise God, we are brothers. We have, we that are part of this family, that are part of God's family, we are brothers and sisters. And we are, we have a stronger bond than any skin color. We have a stronger bond than nationality. We have a stronger bond, amen, than, than certainly than any political organization. We share the same Father and we're, we all have his, the precious blood of Jesus flowing in our veins, amen. So you say, what does that have to do with offering? Try this on for size. Next time you give an offering, act your faith in the fact that you're part of the family of God. Amen? Like I said, what would it have been like to be a Carnegie? What would it have been like to be a Rockefeller? I'm telling you, there's something better than being a Carnegie, something better than being a Rockefeller. It's being God's child. Amen? And next time you give an offering, give your faith in that. Praise God. Yeah, God's backed me. Uh, Amen. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I'm well supplied for. Amen. I've got plenty to give. He gives seed to the sower. Praise God. And then it comes back to me, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Glory to God. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for this offering and every person that's given. Bless them, Lord. I thank you that you are our Father and we are your children. I thank you that you're well able to meet every need and give us an abundance for every good work. Father, you're our source. We thank you for the jobs and the different things that you give us as, as, as provision and our channels, excuse me, for your provision to come to us. But Father, we recognize today that you're our source. We're part of your family. No matter what happens in the economy, no matter what happens in this world, no matter what happens in the circumstances that surround us, Father, we've got a stable position in your family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we've been talking about faith. Has anybody been enjoying it? 
Good, I have been. First uh, John 5, 4 has been our, our text that I've been using throughout the month of June. And it says this, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Bible says, whatever, whoever is born of God overcomes the world. Is there anybody here born of God this morning? Raise your hand. Amen. The Bible says that you're an overcomer, praise God. You say, yeah, but this is what my circumstances say. Yeah, but the Bible says. Yeah, but this is what my family was like. Yeah, but the Bible says. But you don't know the failures that I've gone through. Yeah, but the same Bible that says Jesus was born of a virgin, walked the earth, healed the sick, died on a cross, rose again from the dead. That same Bible, the Bible that has John 3.16 in it, that same Bible says that you, born of God, are an overcomer. Thank you, Jesus, and you can stand on that. You can receive that. You can, you can claim that for, and declare it as so in your life. Amen? So I want to talk to you about some things. I got, I'm going to try to move fast here today because I got, I think, about six hours of preaching that I want to get into. Uh, <laughs> that I, I'm not going to take six hours to do it, but we got we to gotta do some. We'll see what, what, what the Lord has us do. Let's, let's work our way over to the book of John. Whatever gets you there, pressing buttons, turning pages, unrolling scrolls, whatever, whatever gets you to John. There's a lot of options nowadays, aren't there? Swiping, whatever gets you to John 11, make your way there, amen, John 11. And uh, we're talking about the story of Lazarus this morning, talking about some principles of faith, talking about believing God. Faith is believing God, amen? Faith is believing what God says in his word. Uh, faith is, is, the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. That means you trust the word of God more than you trust even what's going on in this world and what's going on around you. If everything in your life says you're not going to make it, it doesn't matter. You say, But God said you're an overcomer, so you say you're going to make it and you walk by that. Amen? So uh, John chapter 11 and verse 1, this is the story of Lazarus. And I love this story. Um, I, I like to say this often that you know, I don't know what you're facing this morning, but everybody here, you know, the story of Lazarus, he was dead for four days, and then Jesus raised him from the dead. I don't know what you're facing this morning, but there's nobody here that's worse off than him. Everybody here has at least a four-day lead on Lazarus, amen? And if it wasn't too late for Lazarus, it's not too late for you either. Everybody say, it's not too late for me. Amen. Jesus turned around his situation. Praise God. Think about what he could do for you, Amen. So uh, John, John 11, starting in verse 1, and we're just going to bring out some principles of faith and believe in God from this story, and we're going to learn from the life of Jesus. And it says here, it says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent word to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified by it. And I'm going to stop there. We're going to work on this for a while, then we'll see how far we get into this story. There's some things I want to bring out, but I want to spend a minute here. Again, verse 4, but when Jesus heard this, so this was a bad report that came to Jesus. It said, so when Jesus heard this, he said, everybody say he said. This sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. 
Boy, that's a good thing to do when you get a bad report. Jesus got this bad report and immediately he said something. He said something about the report. He said things that this is what's going to happen and this is what's not going to happen. Are you hearing me today? This sickness will not end in death, but will be for the glory of God. That the Son of God may be glorified by it. Boy, that's a good confession. That's a good pattern to have for every bad report you receive. Whenever a bad report comes, immediately start to lay out some parameters. This will happen, this will happen. Somebody said, well, wasn't Jesus, you know, wasn't Jesus kind of predicting, like a word of knowledge, almost knowing how the situation was going to turn out? I don't believe so. I believe Jesus was creating how the situation was going to turn out. Because when God said, let there be light, he wasn't predicting light. Are you following me this morning? When when Jesus instructed us to speak to a mountain, whosoever says to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, does not doubt in their heart, but believes that those things which they say shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. I don't believe Jesus is telling us to hear from the Spirit and and, and interpret by a word of knowledge whether or not the mountain's going to move. Are you hearing me? And so I believe that this is what Jesus was doing here. When he received this report from Lazarus, he wasn't predicting. I mean, he wasn't, you know, knowing by the spirit how it was already set and destined to turn out. He was creating how it was going to turn out. This sickness will not end in death, but it will be for the glory of God that the son of God may be glorified in it. Amen. Now, I think that this is this is an area. I'm telling you that the enemy uses, this is an area I've seen people come under attack in, this thought that the enemy will try to come in and try to build a stronghold in people, that somehow his, his work, is, it's just destined to turn out a certain way, and there's just nothing you could do about it. He'll tell people, you're destined to die young, you're destined to fail, you're, you're, you're destined to be a failure, and it'll build a stronghold in somebody's mind. Do you, how many of you know that the, have, have ever realized that this is a way that the enemy works on people? You're destined to failure. Builds this stronghold. So you, it builds a belief system in people. I've shared a lot of stories about uh, my brother from Iraq. And uh, he, w- he, he was with a guy in Iraq. And for some reason, this guy just had it in his head that he wasn't coming back. And from the very beginning, he said, just call me toe tag. I'm not coming back from here. He had no reason to say that, naturally. He had, you know, there was nothing. He was just, he was on the same playing field as everybody else. And he just said, call me toe tag, he said. My brother, knowing something like what he did about words, he would tell him, don't say that. Don't say that, man. Say, you know, don't, don't say those words. Just call me toe tags. I'm not coming home from here. He didn't come home. Say, you know, he, he, he lost his life. Thank God for what he did for our country and his service and all that. I don't believe it had to be that way. I think the enemy gets in people's minds. Are you hearing me this morning? You know, the, uh, some people think, well, things are just kind of, there's this idea that I believe comes straight from the enemy. This, this thought that, well, things are just all, all destined to be a certain way. It's going to play out. Some people are just destined for destruction. Listen, if you have that belief, the enemy will tell every person he can, every person, he, if he could, he would convince every one of us in this room that every one of us was destined for death and destruction and failure. And that's, the, that's his voice. He's always trying to tell all of us that. You know, if you believe, you know how that is, if, if you believe, well, 
You know, maybe there's one person. Let's talk about healing. Maybe there's one person in this room that God, if I was to say, maybe there's one person in this room that God doesn't want to heal, the enemy would be speaking in every one of your ears saying, you're that person. Isn't that how he works? That it's destined to be, it's destined to be a certain way. Well, Lazarus was just destined to live. It was just set that way. But other people aren't. And it's just set to play out that way. Things aren't like that. And, and it's against the grain of everything we have in Scripture. Right from the beginning, right from Genesis. Genesis 2.19, God created man to have authority. God created man to have choice and to have freedom. Amen. He, the Bible says of Adam that God brought the, the, the animals to Adam and whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. Right from the beginning, God created us, God created humanity to have authority, to have some leeway, to have a choice. How many would agree that, that God loves worship, that God wants us to worship him, that that's part of his plan? Do you realize there is no worship without choice? It's not worship if we were somehow forced to do it. Are you hearing me? I mean, what kind of blessing would that be, you know? No, he's given us a choice. I know there's a lot of debate. People, you know, all, you know the, all this stuff going on today about the United States. I'm not getting into it. You know, just all the politics, you know, the, the origins of the country. And, 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 you know, is it a Christian nation? Was it a Christian nation? What it, was it not a Christian nation? I've been to... Uh, Five nations ministering and uh, closed nations. I've been to the so former Soviet Union. I'll tell you this. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, the Bible says. And God has set up a system where we have the freedom to choose whether we're going to be Christians or not. You know, Jesus died on the cross and if God, God he, 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 by his sovereignty, he could have set up a system where we just all automatically became Christians and we had automatically became his followers and didn't have any choice in it. That was not his plan. He didn't want that. He didn't want mindless, willless followers. He chose us and he, he set up a system. He designed it so he would present to us his goodness and then give us a choice whether we wanted to choose it or not. Isn't that right? And I see this, you know, if this was like some kind of theocracy, the United States, if it was like some kind of heavy-handed system, it would have been like, you know, that a system where you have to be a Christian and we, and you know, could have been everything else was, was illegal. You know, Islam's illegal, Hindu's illegal, Buddhism is illegal. And, you know, that you have to be a Christian, everything else is against the law. But yet I see the United States has this system a lot like the way God set it up, where you could be a Christian if you want to be. I've ministered in Russia, I've ministered in Vietnam, and listen, it's, you don't have a choice there. They, they're working against the plan of God. They're working against, you know, I mean, you, former in the Soviet days, Russia's not like that now, but Vietnam still, there's a lot of restrictions and things like that. Said all that to say, you've got a choice. Everybody say, I've got a choice. choice. You know, with uh, there was a woman who was caught in the act of adultery, Jesus said, and, and man, he showed her mercy. It was wonderful. They were going to stone her. And, you know, her life sounded like it was a mess, didn't it, you know? And he came to her defense, man. I mean, she's guilty. She messed up, and he came to her defense. That's a wonderful story. I love it. And he was on her side, and he, he turned it around and, and said, which of you here to the Pharisees that were going to stone her? Which of you here um, 
you know, it was without sin, throw the first zone, thank you. <laughs> and, uh, you know, turned it around on them and they all left. And he said, woman, where are your accusers? But then he says this to her. He said, sin no more unless a worse thing come upon you. Seems to me from that there wasn't like a destined way that was just set that her life was going to turn out from that point. Are you hearing me? Well, man, she kind of had a messed up life. She was kind of going down a path. People don't change. You ever hear that? You know, leopard can't change its spots. People don't change. Didn't seem like that was Jesus' perspective of it, does, of it, does it? He said, sin no more, lest the worst thing comes upon you. And it doesn't seem like it was going to be one way or the other, and she didn't have anything to do with it. Are you hearing me? She had a choice. Everybody say, I got a choice. You know, even in the Old Testament, Jesus told the Israelites, or not Jesus, God the Father told the Israelites, I set before you this day blessing and cursing. Choose life that you and your family may live. It wasn't just set how things were going to turn out. He said, you've got choices. Choose life. Amen. So this situation with Lazarus, I don't believe it was, I don't believe it was just set a certain way. And I believe when Jesus said this sickness will not end in death, but will be for the glory of God, that he was setting some parameters by his authority as a human on the earth that God had ordained from the very beginning, from the garden. Jesus, yeah, he was God in the flesh, but he operated as a man. Amen. And he said this, that's why he was able to say, you know, the works that I do, you'll do also. In John 14, 12, God, the father never says what I do, you'll do. But Jesus said that. And now, so he says, um, you know, here, here we see that he sets these parameters. You could do that. Everybody say, I could do that. This bad report comes. That's a great pattern to follow. Immediately say, this isn't going to happen, but this is what's going to happen. Right as soon as he heard it, right from the start, he sets that parameter on it. And I'm telling you, the, the enemy, that's how he tries to attack the author, our God-given authority. The authority that God has given us. That he tries to get these thoughts in there that it doesn't really matter whether you pray. It doesn't really matter what your authority is or what you say. Because there's just a certain way that things are just set to go. And it's going to be that way. And I'm telling you, it comes through in preaching. It comes through in just, you know, superstition. It comes through in so many things. But I'm telling you, it's not what the Bible says. There's nobody in here that's destined for failure. There's nobody in here that's destined for destruction. The Bible says he's redeemed us from destruction. Yet the, but the enemy, he'll try to come around and he'll try to get that seed planted, man. Try to get people to believe it. And why? To keep you from acting your authority. I've met people, man, in evangelism. I've met people... On the street and they thought for sure because of the things that they've done that there was no way out that they were going to hell. And they, that's just it. I know I'm going. There's nothing I can do about it. How many know nobody needs to go to hell? Hallelujah. You've got a choice. Everybody say I've got a choice. So Jesus says to Lazarus, he said, this sickness will not end in death, but it'll be for the glory of God. It's not going to be this way, but this is how it's going to be. He, he receives the report and he says... And he lays out some parameters by his authority. How many of you believe that we have authority? Amen, as believers. I know, uh, yeah, prayer. If things were just sent out, set to be a certain way, prayer wouldn't really make any difference. Prayer would just be a futile, like just, you know what, is prayer what we do because we don't go to the bar and smoke and drink anymore? Or, you know, what, we got to do something to fill our time? 
You know, this idea that things are just going to turn out. They're just going to turn out a certain way. There's no, and, 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 you know, well, whatever God's will is. And you just, you know, it might be this, it might be that. What, 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 what would be the purpose of prayer? I'll tell you a prayer story. I, uh, I was going through my life a few years ago and all of a sudden I got this witness in my heart just to pray about protection. And I, and I just had it. You, you ever get just a, 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 a just something, just a, a nudge from the Holy Spirit? And I just felt to pray about protection. I didn't know why. Just from the Holy Ghost, man. And it was distinct. Made probably the strongest in my whole life, like, you know, for protection for that. One other time when my brother was in Iraq, the Lord woke me up early in the morning and I started praying. And it was funny because I, I knew to pray for my brother. Uh, and I, immediately your mind goes to, combat he's in Iraq and he was in combat and the Lord protected him in combat so I'm thinking that's what I'm praying about he called me on the satellite phone like two days later and it was just a medical thing it was and the Lord had me praying for him about that you know and and just and it happened that day and it was some kind of thing that broke out on him and you know and he needed prayer and I didn't know the Lord woke me up early in the morning praying so then this other time uh I just felt this this check this this note in my spirit to pray about protection for our family, to pray about protection for I knew it was, you know, for our immediate family, for Jocelyn and I and the kids. And, and uh, it wasn't fear, though. Are you hearing me? You know, God doesn't lead by fear. Amen. And so it wasn't a fear that came on me that I feared some kind of destruction. I really was kind of peaceful about it. But, it, but yet there was this, this note inside of me. You know, it wasn't like this dread and fear. That's a different thing. That, you know, God has not given us a spirit of fear. The Holy Spirit doesn't lead by fear. Amen. And, you know, this was just this knowing that I'm supposed to pray for protection, but I never had that dread of fear with it. Thank God. Amen. Every time Jesus appeared to somebody, he said, fear not. Amen. But I knew I was praying about protection. And I was. And, and so I, I would just pray in the Holy Ghost about it. Went on for a couple days. Went on for a few days, you know. And it would just come to me different times through the day. I remember one time I'm cleaning up some stuff around the house. And there it is. That, that, and I, okay, and so I just start praying in the Holy Ghost. And, and quoting scriptures. And thanking God for his protection. Um, so then, you know, I don't know what it was. Maybe a week. Not a very long amount of time. certain amount of time goes by. Then my brother's in town from Virginia. And he's a, he's a, a police officer now. And we're driving, just my brother and I together in his car. We're driving along uh, up my street. And uh, the Lake Erie, where we live on the, the shore. So we're coming up and there's this section where there's no houses on the north side. And there's just grass that drops down to the lake. And my brother and I are driving and we see uh, Ashtabula PD walking with, his, walking with his flashlight. And walking up and down the grass just looking for something. My brother stops, flashes his badge outside the door. He says, hey, you need any help with anything? He says... No, we're good, he said, but there's the guy in that house over there. Now, this is about five houses up from my house. The guy in that house over there was stabbed tonight. He said somebody came up from the lakeside, from the north side, came up from the lakeside up the hill and, and stabbed him. Now, this guy's a friend of mine. He's in his 80s. He fought the guy off. That's awesome just in itself, you know. He got cut. He went to the hospital, but he fought the guy off and lived, man. I love it, you know. And uh, pretty good, man. The guy's in his 80s, and he's, I see him out. He runs like five miles once a week, you know. He's great. So, but a traumatic situation, you know. But thank God he lived. He's good now. You know, I've, I've seen him many times since then. This is a few years ago. So then we drive, finished that driving down to the house. Man, I can't believe it. That's incredible. You know what happened? 
come to the house. Jocelyn's home. She just finished. Um, she just finished grocery shopping. I said, "Man, D D you know Don up the street. He got cut with a knife. A guy came up from the lakeside." Jocelyn had just unloaded, you know, a little bit earlier, had just unloaded our car in the driveway. We're on the south side of the street. Had just unloaded our car from in the driveway of groceries and brought him in. And she said, you know, when I, there's, a there's a driveway right across from our driveway, so there's no houses. And then the first house on the north side is right across the street from us. So Jocelyn said, I was getting groceries, and this house is dark. It was unoccupied at the time. And, and she said, and there was just a guy standing in the driveway in the dark across the street on the north side where the guy came from, just looking at me, just watching me. And I brought in these groceries and, and kept on. And he just was standing there in the dark watching me, looking at me. Well, I knew immediately that that's what I'd been praying for, for the week, you know, for, for the week prior. Amen. Aren't you glad that God could protect us? Amen. But what's my point in all that? There wasn't a certain way that it was just set to turn out, that was just destined to be, that that's just how it's going to be, that it's all orchestrated. Otherwise, what would have been the point of the Holy Spirit prompting me and having me pray? It would have just turned out the way it was going to turn out anyways. And we just say, well, I guess we got lucky. Knock on wood, cross our fingers, you know. Whatever. No, I'm telling you, prayer changes things. Authority changes things. Faith changes things. And the enemy will try to come to you and say, you're going to die and there's nothing you could do about it. You're going to fail and there's nothing you could do about it. You're a failure and you'll always be a failure. That, but I'm telling you, the devil's a liar. Amen. And it doesn't have to turn out. Things, things don't have to be a certain way sometimes. And people say, well, if God wants to do something. I remember one time, is this helping anybody this morning? I remember one time I was, when I was still working before I started traveling in, in ministry. And uh, one of the most super, you know, a real supernatural thing early on. And, 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 I, and uh, I was working nights, you know, working security. We'd, uh, I don't remember if we graduated from Raymer or not yet when this happened. I think we were still in school. And I, I'm... I'm Got my Bible out on the counter. I'm watching all these monitors. I'm studying. I got a partner. You know, we rotate and doing patrols and stuff and watching all these monitors. Got the Bible out. And as I'm just kind of praying to myself, looking at the monitors, I have a quick mini vision. Uh, it was night, so they had a night crew. It was an 18-story building, and they had a night cleaning crew that would come in. And they'd, you know, clean all the offices at night. So I knew, the, I knew the team, you know, and so I'm sitting there looking at the monitors and I have a quick mini vision and I see myself lay hands on one of the members of the cleaning crew and say, I command this headache to go in Jesus' name. And I see myself do that. I see him. I see me. I, 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 those, that's exactly what I pray. I'm sitting there thinking, what do I do with this? You know, I'm just, I'm thinking about it. You know, do I go find him? What, what, what do I do? I'm still thinking about it, and he walks into the door of our office and says, man, you got any aspirin? I got a headache. <laughs> well, it doesn't take, like, you know, any intercession or fasting to figure out what's supposed to happen here. Amen? I said, man, I said, listen, I'm bold now. I had a vision. I saw him. I saw you know, a vision. I saw what we, I've, you know, in my life, I, only a few visions have, I've had like that. So I know God's doing something here. Then he comes in and says, I've got a headache. Would you, you know, would you give me some aspirin? I said, listen, you don't need any aspirin. You let me pray for you. I'm telling you that headache's going to leave. No, man, just give me the aspirin. That's all right. Give me some aspirin. I said, listen, I'm bold because I had this vision, you know. I said, listen to me. 
You don't need any ask. I'm telling you, if you'll just let me pray for you, if you'll just let me lay hands on you, I'm telling you, the headache's going to go. Ah, man, he said, I don't know what you're reading in that book (laughs) because I got the Bible in front of me. And he storms out of the office and he leaves. Never did have the chance to pray for him, you know. I don't know what else I was supposed to do. I did my best, you know. How many know that, that God had a plan for him? God had something he wanted to do. It wasn't just destined that he wouldn't or would be healed of that headache that night. It wasn't just set outside of any human, you know, economy, activity, that how that was going to turn out. Are you hearing me? Man's got authority. Everybody say, I've got authority. And see, the enemy wants to tell you you don't. The enemy wants to say this is just how it's going to be and there's nothing you can do about it. You can do something about it. Amen. I believe this is helping people. I don't know about you. I've, I've, I've had battles in this area. Enemies tried to come to me, said this is just how it's going to be. Certain things, it's never going to change. And then guess what? It changes. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Now, you know, I, I remember another time. I was in a service when I was in college. And uh, I wasn't ministering. I was ushering. And young guy was there, a friend of mine. And uh, pastor, <laughs> pastor laid hands on him, my pastor. Had a word of knowledge over him. And he says, brother, he says, violence is not the answer. He said, violence is not the answer. And he said, just re- you know, remember that. Violence is not the answer. Not, don't resort to violence kind of thing. And he says, does that bear witness with you? Does that make sense to you? The guy said, yeah, it does. About a week later, I get a call at 3.30 in the morning in my apartment. My roommate and I, we wake up. Who, to ne- you know, it's not usually good news at 3.30 in the morning, you know. It's like, hey, what you been up to? You know, it's, saying, uh, guy called me, said, I just stabbed somebody, he said. Said guy who had, he had the word of knowledge over. I just stabbed somebody, you know. Can I come over to the apartment? I said, no, you know, no. What do you, what do you... What are you talking about, you know? I'm still like half awake, you know? I still really don't know exactly how all that played out. He hung up then and, you know, no, you can't come to the apartment. He wants to go on the lamb in my apartment, you know? But, uh, <laughs> but my point being, it wasn't set. <laughs> it didn't have to be that way. Are you hearing me? Why did the Lord tell him violence is not the answer? It wasn't set to turn out that way. He wasn't set to do that. And the guy that, whoever it was that he assaulted, they weren't just destined to be stabbed. It didn't have to be that way. Prayer changes things. Prayer shapes things. Our words shape things. Our authority changes things. Amen. Don't let the devil sell you some lie that it just has to be that way. The Bible says you're destined for good works. The Bible says he's redeemed your life from destruction. The Bible says that, that we're surrounded with a hedge of protection. Amen. Are you with me? And I don't know. I guess that sometimes we've gotten these doctrines and things like that because people have gotten a certain amount of comfort just feeling when things go wrong and when things go bad that somehow it was in God's divine plan and somehow that's comforting that's not comforting to me because what does that mean about the tomorrows that are still to come and then of course automatically you have this thought that maybe I am destined for some kind of horrible thing and the devil will tell you absolutely you are (laughs) that's what I've been trying to tell you all along Come on now, this is helping people, isn't it? Praise God. 
It's not just set to be a certain way. Devil's a liar. Amen. Even salvation. There's, no, there's nobody just that, that absolutely, ha- you know, they were set to go from the beginning to heaven. And then other people were just destined for hell. I don't believe any of that. Jesus said, for, you know, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, everybody born of the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life, whosoever. And God has set up this wonderful, beautiful system where Jesus would die on the cross and pay the price and then he would just express his love and say, will you choose me? Will you choose me? And man would have a choice. It wasn't, it wasn't guaranteed that anybody would choose it. But God gave us a choice and he said, here it is. Here's what I've done for you. Now what are you going to do with it? And, and we, as an, as an evangelist, we don't go out like some false religions, like other religions, and put knives to people's throats and guns to people's head and say, choose or else, or you know, confess Jesus or else. It doesn't work. Because God wanted people that would choose from their heart. Do you see how it all fits together? You can't worship without choosing. You can't become a Christian without choosing. So man must have a choice. And these doctrines of demons will try to say, you, you, no, you don't have a choice. You'll die because that's just God's plan. That's just, and then he'll try to religiousize it, you know, <laughs> try to church it up a little bit and say, but all your friends will get saved and, you know, they'll see how you go through it and they'll see what happens and there's some divine purpose and blah, blah, blah. Are you hearing me? And it was just set that way from the beginning. And that's just how it was supposed to be because there was some kind of whatever, you know. Now, Jesus told the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, he didn't say, well, this is just how it's set to turn out for you. It's all right, God, you know, at the very end, you'll come around back to me and everybody will see your life and how I turned it around. No, he said, hey, here's your choice. Sin no more and unless a worse thing come upon you. Don't go down this road anymore. Amen. So, praise God. Um, a couple more stories I'll tell you, a few more. Again, are you you're still, this still a blessing? Good, good, good. All right, all right. I'm telling you, man, I talk to people. I shared the story in one of the other services. This guy just got in his head. This pastor got in his head. I'm not living past the age of 50. People who were close to him, they'd heard him say it. And, you know, he'd just been saying it for years and years. And sure enough, just a few days after his 50th birthday, he goes home to be with the Lord. Thank God he's in heaven. Thank God he's with the Lord. I don't know why that was stuck in his head. I don't know why that thought came to him. I can't find any scriptural basis to have that kind of belief. Are you hearing me? I can find scriptural basis that's counterintuitive to that. That says that, that with long life he'll satisfy us and show us his salvation. Amen. I will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. But yet somehow it just got in his head. And some people think that, well, there's just a set day to die. There's a, a set day to die. And when, that, when your number pops up, how I many you know whether, whether it matters or not? Yet if you study scripture, the Bible talks about men's days being lengthened and men's days being shortened. So even that, there, there's leeway and there's variable and there's... there's it doesn't, it's not like written in a book in heaven that that's the day it's going to happen. Some people believe it that way. Yet the Bible talks about kings and people who, when they changed their hearts and changed how they interacted with God and God's people, their leg, days were lengthened. Or others, their days were shortened. So it wasn't set and predetermined, all played out like a movie script. And this is how it's going to be. No, like I said, prayer changes things. And you've got authority. 
Jesus gets the news about Lazarus and he says, this, will, this sickness will not end in death, but it will be for the glory of God. Amen. I think it's just like when he told the man with the withered hand, stretch forth your hand. And he did. Take up your bed and walk. He wasn't predicting what was going to happen. He was declaring things. Amen. So I'll tell you a couple more, a few more, and then we'll close this morning. Um, I'm down in, I think I shared this story. I've never seen anybody in my ministry personally raised from the dead. I've seen people raised up off their deathbeds. People who'd been given up by hospice. People, one, one man, he was, he was in a hospital in West Virginia. I can't remember if I shared this during these, these string of services or not. In a hospital in West Virginia, he'd gone in for back surgery and got a staph infection. Young guy, mid, early 20s. Infection went through his body. The, the doctors told him, you've got 24 hours. They said, if you've got any kind of religious belief, you know, now's the time to call in the clergy and have them come by. I was preaching at a church that he didn't even go to, but a family member of his went to. And the pastor said, can we go visit him after service? I said, absolutely. We went to the, we went to the uh, hospital, and he looked good. That was the, you know, the, the, he, was at the, he looked pretty good, but you know, they're, they're reading the blood test and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm talking to him. And uh, we pray for him, command that infection to go, command his blood to be clear and clean. Amen. We left, walked out of there, praising God. Thank God you couldn't really tell if anything had happened at that time. But got a phone call a couple days later, amen. Instead of being dead in 24 hours, he was home in 24 hours. Praise God. Walked out of that place, praise God. And so raised up off his deathbed. I mean, we were supposed to be there like last rites kind of people, you know. And God raised him up. Thank God. So... Uh, my Lord, my Lord Jesus. So I, I think about another story similar, but a little different. I was ministering at another church, and same situation. Guy was home on hospice, and they said he was supposed to be dead the night before, um, Saturday night. He was supposed to die from cancer, and 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 the, and it's Sunday morning, and I preach at the church, and then the pastor says, "Would you come by the house and pray for him?" Uh, after the service, he, he was supposed to be dead last night. Somehow he lived. He's still alive. Would you come and pray for him? Absolutely. If I can, I go, you know, as long as the person wants me there. I've been in situations where some well-meaning person invites me. Then you get there and they're not believers. They don't want you there. Very uncomfortable, you know. But uh, I, if I can, I go. So I went. And, uh, you know, I mean, the guy is just Hours, hours he was supposed to be, you know, hours ago he was supposed to be dead. Hospice nurse said he wouldn't live through the night. Walk in, a lot of the family is there. And uh, I go into the bedroom that he's in, and, and he's totally unconscious. I, I, I get my mouth up close to his ear, and I said, I'm here to pray for you. You know, how, how you, I'm here to pray for you today. Nothing, not a grunt, not a squint, you know, not, no response. And I'm like talking loud right next to his ear. So he's totally out. I put my hand on his forehead, and I pray for him, and I keep my eyes open now because, you know, a lot of times I, I try to keep my eyes open when I pray, because one time up in Ashtabula, I was ministering at a church, and a little boy came up, limped up in the healing line, and he had a leg that was like three inches shorter than the other, limped up. I closed my eyes and prayed for him, and then I, I, you know, I said, get up, and he walked, and he was walking normal. His mom's crying. That leg grew out. My eyes were closed. I missed the whole thing. Amen? <laughs> So I watch him pray now, you know. So I'm, I'm praying for John, and my hand is on his forehead, this guy, I, my hand is on his forehead, and I'm watching him, and as I'm praying, his eyes pop open. 
You know, just as we're praying and he's looking around. And I said, after I stopped for a minute, I paused and I said, how you doing? He said, pretty good. In a loud voice, strong voice. He said, pretty good. And I said, all right. I said, lift your hands to heaven. I tell people to do that a lot in healing lines. I don't know why. I think I got it from R.W. Schombach. If you ever heard of him, you know, he would have people lift their hands. And I think it's good for people's attention to go up to the Lord, you know, and just where their help comes from. And just praise the Lord. You're focusing on him. He's the healer. Amen. So I told him, I said, lift your hands to heaven. Now, as soon as he did that, my hands on his forehead, he lifts his hands straight up right away. His wife gets very emotional and she starts crying. And so I paused for a minute. I said, what's going on? What's going on here? She said, he has not lifted his arms in two weeks, she said. I said, praise God. God's doing something here. Start commanding again, you know. Now, when I say we're praying for him again, we're not asking God, God, please heal him, like over and over and over again. But we're using our authority. He's a believer. The Bible says, by Jesus' stripes, he's healed. You know, when Jesus sent out the disciples, he said, behold, I've given you authority to heal every kind of sickness and every kind of disease. Authority over disease and sickness is in the name of Jesus. So that's what I'm doing. Cancer, you leave this body. You know, commanding life to him in Jesus' name. And so we just continue to use our authority. We're not asking God over and over, God, please heal him. God, please heal him. God, please heal him. No, we believe that God's word is clear on it and using the authority he's given us. You know, just to let you know what I mean when I say we prayed for him again. So then he lifts his hands up, put my hand on, and we pray for him again. And then I said, all right, man, now, now we're sitting on the edge of the bed. Come on. And, I, and we get him up, and now he's sitting on the edge of the bed. I don't know how long it's been since he did that. It was two weeks since he lifted his arms, you know. So now he's sitting up. I said, all right, come on now. Let, after we prayed that third time, I said, come on now. Let's go. Let's get up. Let's walk around. No, 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 the family says, you know. No, don't do it. Don't do it. That's enough. That's enough, you know. I'm thinking, you know, what do we got to lose here, really? You know, let's, let's go with this. Let's see, let's see how this plays out, man. Things are going good, you know. Now, I, but I understood. You know, I said, all right, all right. I said, you know, so lay back down, take a break. My thinking, my plan is we're going to talk with them a little bit. We're going to get some people on board. And then we're going we're gonna to finish this thing. We're going to get them up and we're going to keep walking. So I'm just going I'm, I'm to encourage people. Then this guy's coming up out of the bed. That's, that's, that's what we're doing. Amen. So I said, uh, hey, I said, uh, boy, it's amazing what God's doing in your body. I'm just encouraging him as he's laying there. He says, well, he says, whatever God's will is. And I thought, oh, no, man. It was like somebody hit me in the gut when he said that. I was like, oh, dear, you know, whatever God's will is, you know, whatever God's will is. I shared some scriptures with him. But we didn't even need to keep it there. I, you know, I started to then just point to the circumstances. You know, sometimes you walk by faith and not by sight. This guy, we could have walked by sight. Things were happening, you know. And I said, listen, hey, um, you know, you were, they tell me that you were supposed to be gone last night. That hospice said that you wouldn't live through the night. And I said, but yet you were alive somehow and I was able to come here and pray for you. I said, is that right? He said, yeah, that's right. And I said, now your wife tells me you haven't lifted your arms in two weeks. And I said, you just lifted your arms. And, and not only that, but you got up and you sat on the edge of your bed. And you're talking to me. You were unconscious when I came into the room. I said, isn't that right? He said, yes, that's right. He agreed and confirmed everything that others had told me. And I said, so God is doing something here. Can you see God is working in your situation? He's working in your body. And he says, yeah, well, whatever the will of God is. 
Now, I never did get to minister to him more after that. I, I talked to the pastor. I think he passed shortly after that. You know, thank God he's in heaven. Thank God he's a believer. Amen. I, you know, thank God. That's, there's, 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 there's no sting in death for any believer. And I don't judge him, like I said, because I didn't go through the battle he did. I, I walked in there. I'd been there for a half hour. They'd been fighting that situation for years, I'm sure, you know. But my point is this. This is why I brought it up in the context of this story this morning. There wasn't a set way that was just going to happen no matter what, that how it was going to turn out. Can you see that? Otherwise, everything, you know, me, me having the opportunity to come, me, me there, God's power raising it up. You realize I couldn't do that. I can't, just by putting my hand on somebody's forehead, bring them out of unconsciousness, cause them to have strength they haven't had in weeks, cause them to do things they couldn't do, cause them to be, you know, conscious and, and alert and, and, and totally aware and, and bring them. I couldn't have done that. God was doing that. Now, people who weren't there that day, people who didn't know the situation, they probably looked at it. Well, I guess that was just God's plan. I guess God needed another angel in his choir. I guess that's, that, that's just how it was supposed to be. Are you hearing me? It didn't, there wasn't just a set way that it was going to play out. It wasn't just, he wasn't just destined for, it wasn't just destined to happen that way. I'm saying this because the devil is going to try to tell you that. He'll try to point to the things in your life. Saying, see, it's all pointing that way. This is what your family was like. This is what the past generations was like. This runs in your family. This is the kind of circumstances. This is where it's going. And there's nothing you could do about it. This is just how it's going to be. But it's not how it has to be. Amen. When you stand on the word, whatever it is, the word, everything has to line up with the word of God. And I guarantee, I know, I just know, by, by, I know that there's people in this room that the devil's tried to sell, just by the spirit, the devil's tried to sell you some of these lies that you're destined to be, there's some destruction that you're destined for. There's some failure that you're destined for. You just resist that. You tell the devil he's a liar. You find scriptures that directly contradict what the devil's trying to tell you and you resist him. And James 4, 7 promises that if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. I'm telling you, you could live free from that lie. It doesn't matter how long you've been thinking it, how deep-rooted it is. You could root it up with the word of God and you can live free from it in Jesus' name and never experience the lies that the devil's trying to tell you have to come to pass. I've got more stories like that, but let me share a couple more before we close here. Yeah, anybody got a few more minutes for a couple more stories? Amen. You know the old joke, right? Who, who will give me five more minutes? Raise your hand. Five, ten, fifteen, you know. It's the old preacher joke, so. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but I won't do that. I won't go too long. Uh, you know, then there's other situations where it just seems like it just has to be a, a certain way and it didn't turn out that way, you know. Kenneth Hagin used to tell a story that back when he was st first started traveling, back in the 1950s, that he would kept on his, Aretha, his wife, had a big goiter. You know, I mean, we don't see as many of those today as they did in days gone by, but big growth on, on the neck, you know, a goiter. And um, it had gotten really bad, and it was really, I don't know, somehow complicated that they, it, that if they had operated on the, the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit kept on telling Brother Hagin in words of knowledge and when he was praying for services and stuff, it kept on coming up by the Spirit. Like, if she's operated on, she'll die. And he's thinking, what am I supposed to do with this? And it keeps coming up. If she's operated on, he'll die. 
Now, he didn't feel like, well, we're not going to get the opera because it just kept on getting bigger and it was just, you know, and it's affecting her health and her life. So he's in a, you know, they're not getting anywhere with that. But yet, you know, if she's operated on, he'll die. What do I do? So it's like, it looks like there's no way out. Are you hearing me? I mean, the Lord is telling him if, if she's operated on, she'll die. It's going on for a long time. It's getting bigger. They're not making any headway. He just kept on hammering on this thing in prayer, you know, and, and he, he, t he tells the joke uh, that he says, you know, he tells the joke about, uh, you know, he was, he was in his 40s at the time, and he says, well, I'd marry another wife, but I got this one trained, you know, he was telling the Lord, so he said, it was just, you know, so he would joke about it, and, and he was saying that, and so I'd rather just keep her, you know, he was just joking, he was just being, you know, so, but as he tells the story, so he's in his 40s, and he's praying for her, and he's praying about this situation, contending in faith, you know, and then he said one night he was praying and he got this note of victory that just it's going to be all right. And the Lord spoke to him and said, tell her to be operated on. The Lord had been telling her all up to that time, if she's operated on, she'll die. He's praying in the Holy Ghost about it. He's just not, you know, he's just talking to the Lord about it. He's just going, interceding about it. And, and, and then the Lord speaks to him again and says, tell her to go ahead and be operated on. She'll be fine. It'll go well. She goes in, she has the operation, the, uh, the, you know, the doctors removed it, but, and everything went smooth, beautiful operation. But they said, you know, we thought, they told in the aftermath, we thought that this was really complicated. And we went into this thing thinking that, man, we don't know if she would make it or not through the surgery. But we were just hoping for the best kind of deal. But, and the Holy Ghost, the Lord had been telling her, if she's operated on, he'll die. But then he kept on praying about it. Even through, even this word of knowledge came to her. It came to him, excuse me. But he kept on praying about it, turned it around. Then the Lord said something else about it. Said, go ahead, tell her to be operated on. She'll be okay. Are you hearing me? Apparently there wasn't some set way that it, this is how it's going to be. Some mystical, mysterious thing. No, you understand that if that's true, prayer means nothing. Authority means nothing. It's useless. It's vain. It's, 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 it's pointless. Because things are just going to happen the way they're going to happen. Yet... Jesus himself, God in the flesh, would get up before dawn in prayer, sometimes spent all night in prayer. No, prayer changes things. I'm telling you, the devil, but, you know, he, he tried to sell you a bill of goods. Well, this is just how it's going to be, you know. This is just how it's going to turn out. But no, God's got a good plan for you. A good plan. One more story. This is it, in closing. So, <laughs> um, my sister-in-law, my brother calls me. She was on heavy, she was on heavy birth control because she had cysts and a lot of stuff going on with her ovaries. And this is my sister-in-law, my brother's wife. And complications, she'd had a, a I believe she had a miscarriage at one point in time. I'm, I'm trying to put the timeline of all this together. And then, you know, she comes to one of our services because they had two kids. They wanted to have another, or they wanted to have another at some point in time. They didn't know when. And so I laid hands on her in a service and she testified. Jocelyn and I laid hands on her in a service and she testified and she said, you know, I felt something move in here. I felt something change and it was on her right side, I think. And she said, I felt, you know, something, she testified, felt something happened. And then uh, Jocelyn at another time you prayed for her, right, and knew she was pregnant by the Spirit somehow. At her mom's house. At her mom's house, but we, you know, just by the Spirit. But anyway, so she, they were believing God, but she's on these heavy, heavy um, birth control, you know, like, uh, because of the cysts and all that kind of stuff. So she's not supposed to get pregnant. So my brother calls me one day and he says, man, he says, Sammy, 
Sammy went to the doctor because she's having all these pains and complications and uh, with the cysts and stuff like that or what she thought, you know, things just weren't right. And they found that she was pregnant. And he said, she's not supposed to be pregnant. She's on heavy, heavy, um, you know, the heavy birth control. They, 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 there's no heartbeat. There's, there's, the, the, the child's not alive. He said, what do I do? And I'll be honest, man. I mean, it's like, this is just like, what? I mean, your mind is just like tilt, right? You're just like, you know, she's, what's happening here? You know, is there like, and I said, I don't know. I said, pray in the Holy Ghost, amen. Pray in the Spirit. I don't know what to pray here. Pray in the Spirit. And so we were all doing that. And we were all praying in tongues. She's scheduled for a DNC. She goes in for that. And uh, she's afraid, of course. Weird thing happened, possibly an angelic visitation. This nurse comes in. Of, he looked like he was Middle Eastern, she said. He comes in. He's, he's in scrubs. He says, can I pray with you? She said she was nervous because he looked Middle Eastern. So she's like, who's he going to pray to, you know? And, and she says, well, what, you know, yeah, what do you believe? You know, he's like, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus and whatever, you know, okay, yeah, let's pray. He prayed for her. He said peace came over her. I mean, textbook, you know, angel story. She goes to the nurses. Who is this guy? I want to thank him. Nobody here works. Nobody like that works on the floor, you know? So praise God. Peace comes over. We were praying, you know, prayed in the Holy Ghost. So she's there for the DNC. Doctor comes out, does an ultrasound. There's a heartbeat, but it's weak, and there's not been the right amount of growth, and nothing's right, you know, things aren't right. There's just a faint heartbeat, and, and, but it does, still, no joy, no, no like, you know, wow, you know, the doctor's still a lot of, you know, don't get, don't get excited here kind of thing, you know. So my brother calls me again. Yeah, they thought a lot of things would be wrong, maybe Down syndrome, and just plus the heartbeat was weak, and the growth wasn't right, and just a, a list of things, you know. And so my brother calls me again, tells me all that. What do I do now? He says, what do you think we should do? And my first answer was just gut, you know, just like before. I Still, I'm like, man, this is like, you know, deep water here. I said, just pray in the Holy Ghost. And then I said, no, wait. You said they found a heartbeat. There's life there. I said, you know, speak life to that child. Command it to live. Speak life to that child. She goes into her next appointment, strong heartbeat. All the growth is right. Everything's right on track. He's three years old now, and he just, you know, tears up the place and won't keep pants on for nothing, you know. And just <laughs> but he's a blessing, you know. Praise God. Looked like it had to turn out a certain way. Are you hearing me this morning? Looked like there was a certain way. You just, everything was pointing in one direction, you know. And then even like when things started to turn around, they didn't just boom, turn around, but it was just kind of like maybe that's hope, you know, maybe that, maybe something's happening here. Are you hearing me? But prayer and authority has something to do with how things turn out. You know, I wonder if she went to a church that didn't believe on laying, hand, laying hands on the sick. I wonder if she went to a place that, that didn't believe in, in, in you have authority and you could speak to situations. You know, would things have been different? Are you hearing me today? So praise God. Amen. Has this helped you? We'll close with that. Praise God. Next week, uh, we're going to lay hands on people. Praise God. Jan July 4th. I hope we got some people here. Come. Amen. And uh, <laughs> bring somebody. Amen. We'll have, a, we'll have a prayer line. We'll lay hands on the sick. We'll believe God for miracles, amen. But listen, listen, I, I believe this was from the Lord, amen. Does it, did this speak to anybody this morning? Raise your hand, yeah, good, good. So don't listen to the lies of the enemy. The word says you're victorious. The word says you're an overcomer. 
The devil will always try to say, to me, to you, all of us, you're not going to make it. You're not the one. Yeah, it happened for that person, but you know what? You're like this person it didn't happen for. That's you. you know? That's always what the enemy tries to say. Always tries. He, he, he's, he's the accuser of the brethren. He comes like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, looking for an opening, looking for an opportunity. You don't have to give him one. Amen. He can't just come in and overtake you. You've got authority over him. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your precious holy written word. We thank you for the authority that you've given us. We thank you, Father, that none of us are destined for the destruction. For you've redeemed our life from destruction. None of us are destined to be overcome by the enemy. Father, I thank you, Lord, that, that you said whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. We're destined to overcome, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Now listen very carefully as we close this morning. If you're here today and, and you don't know this Jesus I'm talking about. You know, the enemy might be trying to say all your life. He might have been trying to say you're a failure, you're no good. You're, maybe you're destined for hell. You're destined for for destruction, you're, you're destined for failure, etc., etc. But I want you to know that God has a good plan for you. Amen? Jesus died so that you could have life and life more abundantly. Jesus died so that you could go to heaven and spend eternity with the Father. Jesus died so you could be part of the Father's family, like we talked about during offering. And there is a choice. It's not something that you're, you know, our natural family, we had no choice what natural family we'd be born into. For some of us, it worked out all right. So, you know, so, you know. <laughs> there's no perfect family, though. How many have found out that? They're all semi-dysfunctional. But there is one perfect family, amen. And that's the family of God. But God's family is the only family that you're not a part of unless you choose to be. He wanted to give you that choice. If you're here this morning or, even, or you're watching the live stream and you say, that's me, Brother Jeremy. I, I want to be a part of God's family. I want to be, be God's child. I, he, he already chose you, but I want to know. He wants to know, do you choose him? If you say, that's me, Brother Jeremy, I, I, I choose Jesus today. I want to be, be a Christian. I want, just raise your hand so I can see it. We're all going to pray together, but I just want to see. I won't call you up here, but I just want to see if there's anybody's hand in this place. All right. Just want to make sure. All right, yes, amen, amen. Anybody else? It's good to know Jesus, amen. Let's all stand if you're able to your feet, good. Amen. We're all going to pray together. We're going to pray a simple prayer. The Bible says if you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved, amen. He did the heavy lifting. He did the hard work. He died on the cross. He paid for your sins. He gave you righteousness as a free gift. All you need to say is I choose it, I receive it, Amen. I'm going to pray a simple prayer, and if you, if you agree with it, you just repeat after me and you pray right to the Lord. And let's all pray together. Dear Jesus, I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose again from the dead. I believe you did it for me. Forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord and Savior. Take my life. Make it everything you want it to be. I accept what you did for me, and you accept me, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's thank God for that. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen.
Thank you guys for coming today. It's been good to see you all. Praise God. I just want you to know God's got a good plan for you. Turn to somebody around you before you go and say, God's got a good plan for you. Say you're not destined for destruction. Amen. We've got, if you prayed that prayer today for the first time or you recommitted your life, please talk to an usher. We've got, pack, there's people, uh, we've got packs up here on the front row and we could, uh, we, we, get, we have them.